Welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, a body neutrality podcast where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I'm your host, Jesse Neeland, and today I have with me Christy Callahan, who is a size-inclusive yoga educator committed to helping yoga teachers learn how to teach and cue their classes in a way that won't let their plus-size students leave feeling defeated or thinking yoga isn't for them. She goes by the name uh, Chubby Lotus Yoga on Instagram, and I love her work, so I'm very excited to have her on here. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Um, So I just want to start by having you talk a little bit about your own personal body and body image journey and what got you into this work. Okay. Um, Well, thanks again for having me here. This is such a great place and such a good um, conversation. So um, I actually tried yoga about 20 years ago for the, well, 22 years ago for the first time I was in a larger body at that time. And I decided to try this yoga for weight loss DVD by the biggest loser. (laughs) And, um, I I had never done it before. So I did it in my living room and it was taught by all, you know, of course, slim teachers, you know, they were all the hosts from the show and there was nobody in, you know, the demo group that was behind them in a bigger body, um, Mm. you know, and so there was no, no cueing. Now this is, you know, 20 some odd years ago. So this movement had not even started yet, but it was very frustrating. I, we were in a four, a seated forward fold and I tried to fold over my tummy, which is big and I could not do it. And I was so frustrated and Mm. so defeated and so, um, ashamed. And it really sent me down this horrible spiral of, you know, hatred, body hatred, self-hatred. Yeah. And I just laid back on my floor in my living room by myself and just cried and swore off yoga forever. <laughs> you know, mm. just, yeah, it was rough. Just assume like, no, oh, this isn't for big bodies, you know? So I thought we'll never yeah. get And then um, fast forward a few years, I had gotten divorced and lost a lot of weight, like 80 some odd pounds and gotten into really good shape and decided to try yoga again in a studio this time. And it went really, really well. I became obsessed and, (laughs) (laughs) and I wanted to do it like every minute. And so, you know, a few years into that, I became a teacher And at that time I was teaching both yoga and self-defense and boxing and fitness. So like Mm -hmm. my life had taken this complete change and I taught a very athletic style. I was in a, you know, a smaller body. And so my whole world perspective changed. Um, And then, okay. And fast forward, I did, you know, I taught like that for about eight years or so. Somewhere in that range. And um, then I got injured. I started gaining some weight back. And then, of course, I gained even more than I had lost, uh, which is typical. And Mm -hmm. so then I did not know how to do yoga in that body anymore. And I, yeah, it was really hard. I had a very athletic practice. I didn't know how to use any props. And so I started Mm. going to um, local classes, you know, to, I went to beginner classes thinking, you know, somebody's going to help me yeah. with body. And, you know, my experience was rough. It was, I was mostly ignored by teachers. They, I mean, barely even greeted me if that, and it was horrible. It was a very different experience. You know, I didn't go in thinking, you know, so I wasn't looking for people to treat me different because I had gained weight in my mind. It was like, didn't even cross my mind, you know? Wow. Yeah. And so it's not like I was looking for that, you know, but, um, yeah, it was a very different experience. It felt horrible and started to, you know, remind myself like, oh yeah, yoga isn't for big bodies. And so Mm. I kind of wasn't sure, should I, maybe I need to be done with this. Maybe this just isn't part of my life anymore. And then I decided no, you know, so after doing a bunch of, you know, studio classes and that going so poorly, I decided I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to create a bunch of like variations for poses and I'm going to post all that. And so it kind of 
grew into this, um, you know, thing where I was teaching classes and then I started teaching teachers. So that's kind of evolved yeah. my own just journey of being back and forth, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank goodness you didn't give it up. This is something <laughs> the world needs so bad. Yeah. Um, thank you. Oh, what an awful experience. Did you feel at the time, like, were you mad at the teachers for treating you that way? Or what was your experience of like, did you complain? Did you ask for cues? No, um, I saw this as a me problem, not a them mm. problem. I thought I was ashamed and embarrassed. And I thought this is my fault. My body sucks. I suck. I hate myself. I hate my body. Oh. Like it was that kind of spiral, yeah. you know, and I never said anything because in my mind, they were teaching good classes, you know? Right. And so I would be like, yay, it was a great class. I loved it. Thank you. And then I'd go sit in my car and cry, <sighs> you know, thinking <laughs> I'm emotional, you know, but <laughs> yeah. thinking this was all me, you know, it didn't occur to me until much later that had they had the knowledge and education, they could have taught size yeah. inclusively. So now I see that, but then I just thought it was me. How common do you think that is for people in bigger bodies who take a class here or there or feel like it's exclusionary or not for them or they're not given proper modifications or cues to blame themselves instead of the teachers? I think it's very, very, very common, more common than not. Yeah. You know, um, I think as I mean, in my little circle on Instagram, I'm around people that are size inclusive. So there's more of a knowledge that that exists. But yeah. When I speak to people outside of that little community, this whole idea is still foreign. You know, it yeah. is not widespread at all. And so I think more times than not, people think it's them and their body and, you yeah. know, their fault. You know, in the work that I do, I feel like a huge percentage of my client work is reframing everything from like clothing and fashion to um, you know, fitness and yoga and and uh, lack of access and poor treatment and abuse, like all of it, just yeah. reframing that someone has done you harm that you did not deserve rather yes. than because you're fat, it's appropriate for that to have yes. happened. It's yes. a huge thing. People do not go there automatically. No, I think we we've been blamed for so long. It's our fault for being fat. You are the one that needs to punish yourself and be ashamed and hate yourself. And, you know, I yeah. mean, I look at things as silly as like, there's, you know, condiment brands out there. There's brands that do these zero calorie foods, <laughs> right? you know, and it's obvious that that is all about weight loss, being thin, you know, versus wellness and health. Yeah. And I think this is just like pushed on us so much from every single angle. Of course, it's our fault, you know, yeah. in our minds. I mean, but someone's telling us that you're so right. I love that you said that, like somebody else has done you harm, you know. Yeah. You know, also, it kind of reminds me, I mean, thank goodness we've come as far as we have, but also we still have a long way to go with this. Yeah. But I would say most liberal to leftist people at this point can kind of all agree that like you can't have uh attracted sexual assault to yourself based on what right. you're wearing right like there's yeah. definitely an understanding that has shifted in the last couple of decades around that completely yeah but I feel like it's exactly the same logic here mm -hmm. that is like I mean essentially well what was your body size is well what were you right. wearing you know like yes. oh did someone abuse you yeah, that's probably your fault. You shouldn't have made yeah. them abuse you, you know, like it's horrible yes. and misguided, but really, really common. Yeah, I agree. I mean, every time I go into the doctor now, um, being my size, it's almost always because of my weight. You're fat. You know, I mean, of course, they don't say that. Yeah, but yeah. You need to lose weight. And then that's going to magically resolve all of your problems. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that's not true. <laughs> oh my gosh. So uh, weight stigma it is something that I talk about on here a lot. And I, I've had like health professionals. I had, um, 
a doctor on who is like, let's talk about weight stigma, not just in, you know, like the medical community, but among doctors specifically, yeah. um, just how resistant people are to seeing the fuller, bigger picture and just going yeah. straight to this thing of like, your problem is your weight. Right. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Good luck. Just try to eat less, you know. Yeah, eat less, move more. We have no yeah. actual evidence of any <laughs> protocol that leads to sustainable weight loss, but yeah. that's your plan now. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so something that I know you and I have in common is I was a personal trainer in New York City for like a decade. You were yeah. teaching fitness yoga, um, Krav Maga, fighting stuff. Yeah. Uh, and both of us were very much on the like helping our clients lose weight bandwagon, yeah. which was <laughs> very normal. I didn't even know there was an alternative, um, but it's wild to look back on for me anyway, and realize like how very wrong I was about yeah. so many things and how much accidental harm I was doing um, yeah. by upholding weight stigma and diet culture. So I'm curious what that experience is like for you to look back on. Oh gosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you said. It's painful to know that like I was a harm. I was a harm causer at, you know, it hurts yeah. to think about that because, and I was, I was kind, but I was very much in your face. Like, um, I, I, you know, I would, I would have clients meet with me and we would talk about, you know, their BMR, the caloric intake, and then what they needed to be putting out. They would bring me their food journals mm -hmm. and they would tell me, you know, I'm not losing weight. And I would tell them like, then you're lying about something on your journal, Ooh, yeah. you know? And I mean, I may not have said it in those words, right? Well, did you write everything down kind right. of thing? Like, yeah. is this accurate? And and that was really what I believed, you know, and, yeah. and, um, like toughen up kind of thing, you know, yeah. toughen up buttercup. That was my <laughs> mentality, which is crazy considering I have hypothyroidism. I've battled my weight my whole life, but I think mm. it's like I had lost weight. And so in my mind, it was like, well, here's the formula. Yes. You know? Here's the formula. So get to it, you know, stop yeah. what's like. Uh, yeah, it, it really hurts knowing that like, I am sure I've been, a you know, somebody that has traumatized somebody else at some point yeah. in their life and made them feel not good enough. And, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> same. I mean, absolutely same. And also, uh, I mean, I, I always tried to focus on like performance, uh, you know, strength as empowerment, but for sure, when someone came to me to lose weight, like for a long time, I engaged in that conversation and essentially held myself accountable for their success. So, yeah. you know, there was a lot of harm just in that dynamic even. Yes. And, um, yeah, I, I totally relate to that feeling. And also my formula, my formula, yeah. um, for what worked was basically genetics. So <laughs> I, uh, did not know that at the time I yeah. took a lot of credit yeah for my body shape and size in ways that I now know to be completely unfounded yeah um, and I like wonder how did I like trick myself into thinking I had done this you know and that I would lose it all if I if I stopped doing all of these things that I was doing you know around yes. food and exercise like it's a genetic thing man I I gave it all up and I was still more or less the same size like yeah, that harm right there of not even understanding that genetics played a role or as big of a role as it did is shocking when I look back. Yeah. And, and so many things really affect like for me, I saw what I thought was true. So like when I did gain weight, I did blame Well, I stopped exercising like a freak, yeah, but yeah. I was exercising like 20 hours a week, really hard. Like I was Whoa. insane. Yeah. And the funny Whoa. thing is I was still chubby, you know, like I <laughs> lost a lot of weight, but it's like, I look back now and I think that level of exercise kept the large weight at bay, yeah. but it did not keep all of it. And then I found out I had hypothyroidism. It's like, duh, you know, right. but 
at that time, it's like, well, I blame myself. You know, yeah. I didn't try hard enough. I wasn't working hard enough. I wasn't, eating, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And that's the thing I perpetrated, you know? Yeah. That's the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to anybody listening, <laughs> wait, it's not just about your behaviors. Yes. Uh, there is a huge genetic component. There are so many other factors that go into this. So much. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um. So what I'd like to hear then is how did you get into what you do now in terms of like body positivity or size inclusivity, accessibility? Like what was your journey from the sort of fitness diet culture version of you to now? Um, so I, it was the weirdest little trigger that happened. I literally saw this post on whatever even website, I don't even remember, but it was talking about talking about like all these toxic things to cut out of your life. And one of the things on there said to cut out toxic uh, diet culture. And I had never heard those words. And <laughs> I was like, what? And so that was what started it. I started to try to understand what that even meant. And then I went through this really weird, like yeah. something I think we all go through when we step out of diet culture. Um, like I had to now think, well, I'm not on a diet. I'm not researching a diet. I'm not planning on being on a diet. Mm. I have no idea how to exist. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, seriously, I, it seems so crazy to think about now, mm. but like, then I didn't know how to, how to even think about food. And so I went on this just crazy journey of trying to understand like weight loss is fine if you know, it happens, but like that, it should not be the goal. Like shrinking yourself, right. shrinking myself should not be the goal. It is not the end all be all. It doesn't make my life better. It doesn't, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe in certain ways it's easier, but that's just this whole idea around losing weight, having to be small, like it's such bullshit. And it was really hard to wrap my mind around it. And so I watched like everything I could on Instagram, like to try to understand how, yeah. what am I eat? What do I eat then? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. What do I think about all day? <laughs> exactly. What do I talk to my friends about? Oh like my gosh, yeah. what jokes do I make? You know, it's always about like, Oh, I'm carb raging, you know, whatever. Right. It was really interesting. So then I just kind of started to like find this subculture of, you know, body positivity, body neutrality, and um, became obsessed. And so I kind of started my own little journey, you know, pulling things from people. Mm -hmm. And I started, I went from a person that truly hated myself. I mean, mm -hmm. like on a gut level, um, like I used to punch myself in the stomach, I, I just hated myself. And that was mm -hmm. all weight, which is insane to me to yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. I could hate a whole human because I was fat. Like that's right. madness, but that's where I was. And I started being softer. Like I, I started, I wrote my body's story. So I, I remembered something I'd heard once that said, if you hear somebody's story, you'll love them. Ooh, I like yeah, that. So yeah. good. So I started writing my body's story, like what my body has been through that, you know, like, birth and mm -hmm. you know breaking a leg and all this stuff and I started like thinking about my body's story as a person almost and it grew this like nurturing feeling and yeah. like I thought about how sometimes and maybe I'm just weird I don't know but like if I pick up a leaf from outside I can't just like if I look at it I can't just like throw it away and be like oh who cares it's like I picked it up, I look at it, and then I feel like some kind of thing yeah. <laughs> about something I touch gently, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I transfer that to myself and I would like touch my arms gently, touch my mm -hmm. tummy gently, and started rebuilding this relationship that I'd never had. Um, and then it just kind of grew into this, you know, with I just changed my style of teaching yoga. And then I had a lot of yoga teachers on my 
Instagram page and they were asking me all the same questions, the thin, thinner yoga teachers. And so I pivoted, you know, um, what kind of questions? Um, what do I say? What do I, um, like what isn't offensive? How do I not, how do I say things without offending people? Like, how do I, you know, change this pose to make it work for bodies? And just, um, a lot of it was around not offending, you know, well, that's interesting because they're yeah. clearly a demographic that's like aware and wants to do right by people, but yes, it's still sort of caught up in the, like, how do I not upset people? Right. And, and there's still a complete, there was still a complete lack of realization that it wasn't about offending. It was about modifying, modif- modifying their behavior and their style of mm. teaching. But there, you know, there was still that absence of knowledge. It was really about like, how do I say to the fat person in the room, hey, move your belly or whatever, you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, it's like through the old lens, the new cue isn't necessarily going to feel good to anybody. <laughs> yeah. You got to change the lens. Yeah, it is so big. It's so nuanced, you yeah. know, not just like how not to offend fat people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So I would love to hear a little bit of like, what are the issues facing fat people who are either already in a yoga class, have taken a a yoga class that felt offensive or afraid to take it? Like, what is it that they need the teachers to be doing differently or what obstacles are they facing that the the teachers might not be aware of? Um. Well, you know, first I would, I, I tell people like there are very few inclusive, inclusive yoga teachers. Um, and so more likely than not, you're probably going to go to a yoga class or an online class that does not include any level of inclusivity. And, and that is, that's not really a matter of people not wanting fat people in their class. It's not a matter of people hating you for being fat. It's really a matter a lack of, you know, ignorance on their part, you know, and I don't mean that in a mean way at all. Mm. Uh, Cause you don't know what you don't know. And it's truly, it's truly true to say that in this case, you know, if you have not lived in a larger body, even if you have, you know, it doesn't, it's not intuitive. You don't automatically know, you know? And so yeah. I just, I say that because it's important for us as bigger people to recognize that it isn't necessarily a hateful thing yeah. and that we kind of want to have space for the grace and space for the teachers as well mm-hmm. um, to know it's not intentional, but for you to, you know, to go into a class, to just like be empowered, to utilize your agency, to make choices, make decisions, move your body, like I've got big boobs and a big tummy and I move them any way I need to, to get them out of the way. I create space in my body by moving the flesh around and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed. Like I'm going to do what I need to do. It's hard to get there. It feels weird. Um, Sometimes we need permission. Um, I only learned to move my flesh a few years ago and from a thin yoga teacher, um, my yoga teacher, Crystal Gray, she has been teaching for a long time. She has a lot of experience with, um, bodies. And so mm-hmm. she knows, like, she just kind of cues, Hey, if you've got tummy in the way, like move it, pick it up, move it over your leg. Like no big deal, no shame, yeah. in that, you know, and that blew my practice wide open. And mm-hmm. so, um, the yoga teacher more than likely is going to be insensitive, but not on purpose. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard to just, you kind of have to just have that mentality, but yoga teachers generally are kind people and graceful people, and they want you to have a good experience in their class. And so um, they just, you know, may not know, but I just want to empower anybody that's listening that wants to try yoga to just know that you are accepted in that place, even if it doesn't feel like it. And 
you don't have to do anything that the teacher says. Child's pose isn't always feel good and not resting. That is not your fault. It's not your body. I actually have a question from your Instagram <laughs> post I marked down. I was like, tell me about child's pose. So um, listeners, Christy did a post recently that was basically like, we are told the story that child's pose is supposed to feel like this comfy little resting place in yoga. But for people in bigger bodies, it can be anything. But um, right. I would love to hear if you have other examples of like poses specifically that teachers don't realize the way they talk about it is not inclusive um, yeah. or that specifically are more difficult or just different, a different experience for people in bigger bodies. Yeah, so many of them. Um so many of them, even down to like a mountain pose where you're literally standing, you know, a lot of teachers will cue to have your feet together or your feet hips width apart, but that is not enough for somebody that's got big legs. Cause as you energize the legs towards each other, you put all this pressure on your knees. And so mm. you need to step to a position that's comfortable and so many poses, <laughs> like <laughs> reach your hands behind your back, you know? Oh yeah. That pose, that is so triggering to me personally, because it's like, yeah, just reach your hand. Like everybody can do it. Like, well, no, everybody can't do this, you know? And nobody ever offered any kind of alternative. And I just, I am so triggered <laughs> by right. that silly cue, but it just like leaves me feeling that way you know, excluded. Yeah. And there's a lot of poses in yoga that require us as bigger people to move our body forward. Fold is a great one. You know, you're yeah. folding your body into itself. And if you've got a big tummy, well, I mean, the angle naturally is going to be wider, you know, right. and you're going to be pissed and you're going to be pressing <laughs> up against flesh. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. But yeah. And yoga teachers, they don't realize that. So, yeah. um, child's pose is like the, the biggest one. That's why I talk about it so mm. much because it's the resting pose. And yeah. I just, every time a teacher would cue that I'd get so upset because I hated it and everyone else looks so serene. Yeah. And I'm just over here, barely able to breathe because my boobs are choking me out, you know? <laughs> Ah! <laughs> uh, which brings me to another Instagram post of yours that I loved that was basically like to keep your boobs from choking you out strap them down babies like it was so simple so good excellent advice oh, thank you <laughs> it works so when you are working with yoga teachers do you teach them to cue like the lifting and moving of flesh in general or is it like something that they only do if there's somebody in the room that they think they might need to do that yeah oh so I teach them I try to be very specific like you need to cue the same consistently no matter who's in the room yeah you don't know what's under their clothes and you don't know what they're right with, you know um is the one thing that pisses me off like makes me beside myself is when I hear them say oh well there was a bigger person in so I cued this it's like uh-huh I don't know why that makes me so mad but anyway that's beside the point um no I think that makes a lot of sense because it changes the awareness of an entire room yeah. and everybody in those room in that True. room their bodies will change yeah and so you're sending a very particular message to them yeah good point thank you yeah. <laughs> why is this so triggering I'm like I get why you're mad <laughs> But yeah, I tell them like, you need to cue consistently and you cue, you want to cue to be inclusive. You cue the most accessible variation of a pose first, and then you cue for additional sensation, additional flexibility, mm. needs, strength needs. But the model right now is like, I call it good, better, best. So it's where you teach the pose kind of like as like a traditional style of the pose. Yeah. And then you say, but if you can't do this or you can't do this, oh, yes. then you do that. And that feels like shit. It does. I <laughs> I don't do a lot of yoga. I will admit it because I hate it because uh, there are certain <laughs> things that are supposed to be easy. And I look around and everyone's crushing it like down dog. I don't know why yeah. my body can't do it. 
<laughs> but um, literally every time I'm like, oh, I guess I have to do the the modification. It, yep. I feel like a complete failure. Yes. Yes. That competitive mindset. You don't want to be the only one modifying. So you force yourself into oh, the position or yes. you suffer or, and then you leave feeling defeated and like, I hate my body and this. Yeah. Sucks. Or like yeah. you did some harm to it. Cause you like yes. pushed in some way. Yes. So your model is start with the modification as the baseline. Yeah. This is such a simple change. I am like yeah. having my mind blown with how, <laughs> how much more fun I probably would have had in the classes I've taken though. Yeah. Um, if it was taught this way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have taken the word modification out of the, my vocabulary because I don't want people to feel like they're doing a less than. Right. So I, I, yeah, you said accessible, start with the most accessible. Yeah, yeah. Something that everybody can do and they're included from the get-go oh. and then you can cue more things after, you know, <laughs> Christy, you're so brilliant. <laughs> Everything oh, you say you. is so good. <laughs> Thank you. And also like so simple. Why is it, why is it not just automatically like that? I know. And it's really hard to undo that. Like, yeah, it requires a whole new way of talking and thinking. Cause as yoga teachers, you kind of have a set like sure. sound bites, you know, yep. you go going warrior one, da, 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 da. if it goes at this, da, 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 you know, and you yeah. just have to say the say, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, I got to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you've been doing it for a while, I'm sure like training, there were so many things that were just like, I wasn't, I didn't, I could have been thinking about anything and the same thing would have come out of my mouth. Like right. yes. needing to be present again, needing yep. to think through it again. Yeah. The presence. That's, that's another thing I talk about is think about the message you're sending and then be just really intentional about the words that you use. And it does require us. Yeah. I read something. I don't remember what it was about mindfulness and it said something like, um, we are literally only present. And this is like a science fact. I wish I could remember where I got it. We're only present for like 5% of the time that we're actually in the moment. Most of the time we're, we're just, you know, disassociated yeah. or whatever you want to say. And that's so true. It forces you as a teacher to yeah. become very, very present because you can't autopilot an inclusivity class. You know, you just can't. Yeah. So what do you think would be different in the broader yoga world if everyone taught using this model, if everyone taught giving cues for all bodies and all accessibility? Oh, my heart aches just thinking about that. I I think that the the... I think it would look a thousand percent different. You know, I think it would be a more of a therapeutic um, um, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Modality in, 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 um, in so many ways, because I think if we're, if we're really truly teaching in, in an inclusive way, then people's um, nervous system would be cared for. And right now Ooh, they're yeah. really being cared for, um, especially if you're in a bigger body or you have chronic pain or whatever. Yeah. And so I think the whole world would be different. I don't think we would see so many, um, I'm trying to say things that aren't offensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Less people would hate yoga. That's probably fair. Less people would hate yoga they'd be more willing to try it. It would be more like a neutral space. Like if you think yeah. about going to do like acupuncture, you probably don't think of it as like only for thin people or only for this kind of person. You think sure. this is a therapeutic modality, you know, and really that's what yoga is. It's a therapeutic modality and it's fun. And it's, it's a beautiful practice as well. It's all these beautiful things, but it is a therapeutic modality. It does amazing shit you know yeah. <laughs> yeah and so I think it would have a more neutral tone to it and not feel so exclusionary and elite yeah. you know Ooh, it is very elitist is the right word here for yeah. I would say maybe maybe Pilates and some other things too but there's definitely like the image conjured at least in my mind, even though this is culturally so wrong, is like thin white women. Yep. 
who are rich and wearing like very expensive outfits do yoga. Yes. Yeah. $300 Lululemon outfits. Yeah. And drinking like a $15 green juice. That's who I picture doing yoga. And I know <laughs> I'm wrong. I know that's not right, but it's still in it there, you know? It's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's everybody as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is not unusual. It's, it's, and <laughs> like OG yoga, when I first started as a student, now not size part, but like OG yoga was very different. Like these OG yoga teachers, they just like mm. a totally different vibe to them. Um, and that's changed because, you know, yoga teachers are being pumped out by the minute, right. you know, and you lose, there's a standard that's not there so much anymore. And hmm. um, so it's, and the world has changed, you know, yeah. a lot and it was exclusionary then don't get me wrong. It yeah. was, but not so intentionally. And yoga teachers had a different heart than huh. that's a blanket statement, but just what I've observed, you yeah, know, the, the felt experience of it. Yeah. Well, okay. So what else do you tell teachers to do differently if we haven't touched on it? I mean, we can also, I have a million questions for you. So, but <laughs> if I missed anything, I want to finish that thought. Like what else do you tell teachers to do? Or if any listeners teach even beyond yoga, like just anything relating to the body movement of any kind, sports, fitness, um, what else do you think is important for them to know, especially if they live in a thin body? So they haven't had that experience. Yeah. Um, excuse me. I, one thing that I think is important to take out of the vocabulary is if you can't, if you need, you know, this mm. or that, because it, no matter what, it just has a pejorative, um, yeah. overtone to it, you know, even if we don't mean it that way. Yeah. And, and I think that, that, that's a big shift, you know, to try to get that out of your brain. Um, yeah, it feels like they're saying like, and if you're a failure, you can always try it this yes. way. Like, of course, that's not what they're saying, but it feels that way. Totally. You know, it's like, okay, I guess if you need a block, you know, like, right. you know, which is not what people are feeling, but regardless, that's how we're going yeah. to take it. But, um, you know, for you, for teachers talk about, you know, or anybody in that space, talk about moving the body and remind people that they have autonomy and they have agency and to utilize that and um and to go back to breath like to me I say breath breath is your home base come back to your breathing mm -hmm. anytime you start feeling frustrated or stressed or anxious I you know I tell teachers have your students come back to their breath yeah to soften what's going on. Cause to me, the nervous system is, is one of the primary things that we want to protect. And cause we're already also stressed out and mm -hmm. living in fight or flight. And, um, when we're trying to do something good for our body, we need to keep our new, our nervous system in that rest and digest yeah. as much as possible. And so there's so, I mean, there's so much, I tell teachers to, talk about moving the flesh and don't do it with any embarrassment or shame, like suck up your, your ego and your pride and yeah. <laughs> say it, don't worry about being embarrassed. It's not about you, you know? Yeah. And that's, that is a big thing that needs to change. Cause as yoga teachers, I think there's a lot of pressure on us to feel like our bodies have to look a certain way and that we have to do poses exactly the full right. expression, which I hate, like we have to be able to do the most advanced version of a pose, but we're making it all about us, which I get, you know, but it mm -hmm. isn't about us and it's about our students. And so dropping that pride and that ego and mm -hmm. giving your student their agency back and reminding them to use it. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I say so many things. So, <laughs> yeah, no, this is so good though. So I feel like it leads into my next question, which is what do you tell somebody who is dying to take a class, but is afraid of these things or doesn't know if they'll fit in or like feel self-conscious about their body? Um, 
And I feel like essentially what you're saying to teachers, the flip side is what you would say to this, the people who want to take classes, which is like about agency, reclaiming yeah. agency, the teacher giving them agency and permission and them taking that agency and permission. Yeah. And take it anyway, you know, take it if the teacher gives it to you or not, Right. Yeah. you know, because they may not, but I, what my biggest piece of advice for anybody dealing with, you know, being heavy or being whatever makes you different is that, or whatever, um, to have grace for yourself. And I know that's so much easier said than done, but like in those moments where you're scared or frustrated or feeling like you don't fit in or whatever the case is to have grace, like recognize going in that you're going to struggle with these feelings. Nobody more than likely is going to be on the other side of the door. That's going to all of a sudden make those feelings go away. But yeah, you, you have the power to start owning that you're going to feel that way. And I think the more we allow ourselves to sit in some of that discomfort, the more we can start to kind of ease out of it and work through some of those things, you know, and that's, I mean, I know, I don't know if that's super helpful, but, um, to me, that is very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really aligning or encouraging people to align with their value for like courage and liberation over their value for comfort and security, which both can be important, but like one will keep you stuck and one will keep you moving forward. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think that it's important to remember that our trauma does precede us, you know, and almost anything that we do. And as a, as a bigger person, we have a lot of trauma. We feel like the world hates us and we feel like they want us to change. And that's just true. You know, it's just true. And, and so I think remembering that, that the only grace we need is our own, you know, Mm -hmm. for ourselves and we don't need anybody else's, but the teacher may be insensitive, maybe a wiener about stuff. Sorry, that's a way. <laughs> I have not heard that used in a while, but I probably appreciate since you were eight. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so uh, something that I, oh God, so much about this that I love, a, a huge amount of the work I do with clients is helping them restore and reclaim a feeling of agency and autonomy and empowerment in themselves and their bodies. And for so many people, especially, uh, you know, who were raised as conditioned as girls and women, Mm -hmm. we have so many experiences of violation, whether physical or otherwise. Yeah. Um, And then if you're in a fat body, you're going to have a whole bunch more. And if you've got both of those things, plus a bunch of other factors, you know, like (laughs) it just keeps going and going. So the thought of really having a teacher who helps you center your agency and autonomy is healing in a way that goes so far beyond like yoga, strength, flexibility, any of those things. I mean, that just sounds magical because I know how badly people need that and how like we talked about in the very beginning of the episode, if you don't know something exists, you can't like even fathom it. Yeah. And this is one of those things. Most people that I work with can't even fathom taking that kind of agency and trusting themselves and their bodies over their teacher. Yes. It's, we have this like idea that other people know better and are better and are more educated and are more this or that. But one really interesting fact is um, it's an FBI statistic and I don't remember the exact statistic, but I want to say, ah, shit, I can't remember the exact (laughs) statistic, but it's like a really high percentage of, um, of, uh, I guess, rape or sexual, like, um, aggression. I can't think of the words right now. Assault. Assault. Thank you. Sexual assaults are done with no weapons involved, meaning by command. Women are so conditioned to do what they're told. Women, I'm sorry, people raised as as girls. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm still working on all this as well, you know, <laughs> retraining, <laughs> no, the talking thing. Um, but we are conditioned in that way, you know, to do what we're told. And so that, I think, I feel like that follows through in so many different ways, bless you, Thank in you. so many different ways. And we, we are like, I love that. I love that phrasing to reclaim our, our agency because yeah. Yeah, I for a while I couldn't even imagine yeah not doing exactly what the teacher said. Yeah. You know. Um yeah, I think I went off on a tangent, but no, that's it's so true. And I feel like diet culture is an example of this. Like, don't trust your body. The last thing you want to do is <laughs> listen to your body when it comes to hunger and fullness. Trust oh. me, and uh, like a magazine article about how you should be keto. You know, like it's all about stripping agency and saying, this random editor, you know, with like <laughs> a college degree in communications, uh, <laughs> definitely knows better about your body than you. Yeah. And I remember like, I, I were very close in age. I, I grew up with like Cosmo and these kinds of things. And I was like, yes. well, if boys want blowjobs with ice cubes, I guess right. that's just like what they like. Never <laughs> yeah. mind that no boy had ever <laughs> mentioned being interested in this Cosmo told me it was what, you know, what they like. So there's such a dismissal of your lived experience when you have this view and it takes a lot of work to shift like that being center to your information being centered. Yes. It's like freaking crazy. It's like the whole overhaul of everything you ever have been told. Totally. It's a crazy but really cool journey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um so there is something else in this that I think is kind of interesting. Um you know the white coat effect is when people mm-hmm. see doctors as like sort of above um you know like <laughs> yeah, exactly, above the rest of us for sure. Um but also just like the absolute authority on us and our bodies, right? Yeah. So a lot of people are willing to uh, like override their own experiences, not talk about their needs or or feelings or, you know, symptoms. Um, yeah. If a doctor said something, which as you mentioned, a lot of times it's going to be, hey, you just need to lose weight. And you're like, really? Because my liver hurts. Like, or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. but because of the way we hold doctors in this very particular authority yeah. regard, we end up doing a real disservice to ourselves and our health. And yeah. I feel like something similar happened as a personal trainer, even. I mean, looking back, I feel like I had somewhat of an inappropriate amount of authority. Like, yeah, I was oh, very yeah. knowledgeable about strength training, but I should yeah. not have been placed in this like role mm. that I knew some of my clients put me in. Yes. Um, that was like, they would do anything I said because I was the authority. Yes. And I think it's very similar in yoga. And there's also like that guru mindset of like, better than us has this authority because it, you know, comes from like a, I don't know, cultural something. Yes. And so it gets, true. it gets like really harmful for the people in the class. Yeah. Yeah. When they think that you're the expert on their body, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Like one, one thing you'll hear a lot in yoga classes is you should be feeling, this, <laughs> you know, it's like, no, what the teacher would be better off to say was you, what are you feeling? You know, right. Invite them to invite your students to notice what they are feeling instead of shooting all over everybody, yeah. you know, like, and, and I feel like, you're so right. Like we just are so set up that when we take a class from somebody or we go to somebody, yeah, they know everything about us. <laughs> it's right. like if you're if you start tapping into your inner awareness, you know, your your just um self-awareness, you're gonna find you're actually the expert on your body. Nobody else can possibly know you know, these things about you and, but you do, you get to know those things, you know, like, and what's so horribly ironic here is that yoga is an incredible tool for tapping into your inner somatic knowing and body awareness. But it's also this place where I think there's something about like, especially if you go in person, something about being in a room with like 20 people all following one person that like skews the power in a weird way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
people like, like you said, when I was a, a fitness instructor, a yoga teacher, it was like, people would do whatever I said, whatever I told them. And they gave me respect. I didn't necessarily deserve. And yeah. same thing. Like I had a lot of knowledge. It wasn't that, but mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't deserve that level of respect over yourself. Right. Intuition, self, whatever, like, you yeah. know, and that's, I'm sure you had something similar, but I, it would drive me bonkers if I got to the end of a session with someone who the whole time was like seemed happy and just doing whatever and they would get to the end and be like my knee's been hurting this whole time and I'm like oh. why <laughs> why wouldn't you have told me like and they're yes. like because I don't think it, I didn't think it mattered like we were just gonna do what we were gonna do and I'm like oh man these are things that like it's a perfect example of just overriding the internal experience and putting all of your trust in someone who isn't in your body Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That would have been the thing to say like, Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah, like, I'll work through it. Suck it up, you know? But yeah. this is also where I think the autonomy and agency thing overlaps with like self-advocacy, mm -hmm. um, setting boundaries, yes. making, making yourself difficult, quote unquote, which is what so many people conditioned, uh, as girls and women are terrified to do taking up yes. space, like asking questions saying, Hey, something's wrong over here. All of that stuff. If you don't feel like it's, it's okay for you to do that. Mm -hmm. Even if you were connected with your inner world in your, your yeah. body, it would kind of amount to nothing. You would just be like, well, yeah. I'm aware that this sucks for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I don't, I don't think people always are accepting of us asking questions or asserting mm -hmm. what we need. They're not always okay with that. And nice. we have to be okay with them not being okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, it's not our responsibility how it affects them. We always want to be kind, you know, to people that aren't being jerks, yeah. but I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're the only one that's going to look out for yourself. Nobody else is yeah. going to do that to the level we can. So we have to assert that. And that is so hard. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so hard. Are you, do you like follow or know much about attachment theory in adults? Is that interesting? Oh my to you gosh. I'm obsessed with the holistic psychologist and oh. learning, uh, you know, on Instagram. And yeah. I've learned all about attachment theory from her. Yes. I'm okay. here. So the thing that kind of blew my mind is I had been learning about attachment theory for years mm -hmm. um, when a couple of months ago, uh, I don't know how far back, I read Polysecure and it talked about attachment, like self-attachment basically. Oh. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I teach. Like I didn't yeah. even know there was like a whole word and concept for this, but it's literally what you would do to build a secure attachment with someone else you would pay attention you would oh. you know like uh attune to them in all of these ways you would make sure that they knew their needs mattered to you like all That's of the right. things we do to show another person care and security we yeah. can do for ourselves and this is where like people start to blossom it's where you start to advocate go after the things you want get more of your needs met ultimately it changes people's lives that's and amazing. I had years in still never heard of it. I've never heard of that ever. No. You want to know the most sad thing ever? I I am almost completed with my um my master's in counseling. Um and I I'm in the last like 10 months. I'm on break because of my illness, but I have never learned in counseling, which I'm only saying this because this is coming from a counseling perspective, I never yeah. learned about attachments. I mean, we mm. learned very little bit about childhood stuff. And yeah. so we talked about it, but we didn't talk about how it affects you. We didn't talk about trauma, which is insane. Yeah. I was about to be in the field as a counselor with no knowledge. I've learned way more on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sad. I mean, this is another thing I feel, well, part of it is like some of that stuff is new, newly discovered, developed concepts and ideas, but also, I mean, yeah, it just feels like a continuation of all of the systems of oppression being upheld yeah. where 
Uh, we'll just assume you don't have trauma and you can let us know if you do yeah. so that we can treat you special. And like, right. <laughs> it's the same thing as like, if you can't do the regular thing, we'll get you yeah. like a strap in a box. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then people are like, well, I don't want to be the only one in this room failing. So people right. don't speak up. And then it turns out most of us have trauma. So yes. Yeah. Um, How do you get through life without it? You know, <laughs> seriously. Um, I feel like, I feel like I want to do like a podcast with you called, you know, simple shit that'll blow your mind or something. I feel like everything we're talking about, like if you really look at it is so straightforward and simple and also is nowhere to be found and is absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Thank you. That is so nice to hear. Yeah. I, I agree. It's just like all this perspective change. Yeah. That's all it takes is to be able to shift your perspective. And then you're like, oh, duh. Yeah. (laughs) So what would your advice be for someone who is entering a class or thinking about taking a class um, who wants to feel this feeling of agency and empowerment that you're describing? Like, do you have ways of helping people access it in a world where maybe that's really new? Yeah, I would say when you go into the class, um, you know, when when the teacher is cueing something and say you're new to yoga, so you don't know what any of this stuff is, when you start to feel like frustration or an inner battle or turmoil or or pain to just change your body, move it, move it differently. You know, mm-hmm. if if you notice that stuff is getting in the way, just move it out of the way wherever you can. Sometimes you can't like certain, yeah. certain poses, but just, just move what you need to and move how it feels good to you. Don't worry about copying the teacher mm-hmm. exactly. Um, you know, and I know we still live in a polite culture, so we, that can be difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to go home with your body. They don't. So yeah you know, just, just start to feel inside. I close my eyes a lot when I can. And I notice, I try to go inside with my eyeballs and move to the different spots. Like, how does my shoulder feel right now? How does my butt feel? How does my stomach feel? Whatever. And start being aware of exactly what your body is feeling and then change your body. If you, and I mean, positioning, change your positioning as needed. So it feels good and doesn't feel painful and doesn't feel frustrating. And when you are frustrated and you're feeling a certain way about your body, just take time and breathe and just know it's not your fault and you don't suck and your body doesn't suck. Yeah. I want to say that they don't have to go home in your body, but you do. Yeah. Is beautiful true, simple, but it'll blow your mind. We're on theme here. Um, (laughs) But like, ultimately, if you listen to them over you, you are the one who goes home in pain or feeling off or whatever. They have no consequences. Yeah. Right. And that is like an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, I also want to say that I am a complete brat in classes now because knowing what I know both about like, you know, strength training, anatomy, uh, fitness, uh, whatever, and myself, my own body, my own limitations. um, (laughs) My partner, we were just new to dating in LA. He loved um, uh, soul cycle spin classes. So he got me to go with him one day, even though I was like, that's not my jam, but okay, we'll, we'll try it. And he was like, embarrassed for me that I would get a cue because I would just not do what she said like if it was something I'm like oh my traps don't like that I'm just gonna not do it and then you know the teacher would like cue out to the class obviously aimed at me like um (laughs) you know everyone should be able to do this one um you know like just really try or something like that (gasps) and I would just kind of like shake my head like no thank you yeah Um, and he was like I don't know how you like survived that it would have (laughs) made like it, he would have like never dared. So and I know so many people like that, that it just, yes. it's so scary, but I'm like, I have cultivated, I am, I advocate for brattiness in all things. <laughs> like you're allowed to be like, Oh, new things. That's not for me. Like yep. <laughs> it is a superpower in the world. Yes. Oh my gosh. It so is. 
And I think it's so hard. We we just have this polite mindset. Like yeah. we don't want to offend. And I get that. Like I get it a hundred percent. And it's so hard, but yeah. it's so worth it once you start finding your voice. Yeah. And you don't have to be a jerk about it. Like you can be <laughs> kind, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can be kind and bratty at the same time. I like that. That needs to be a t-shirt. Kind and bratty. <laughs> um, I also do say to my clients in any space that they're feeling like self-conscious, but it would actually break a rule and the world needs us to break this rule. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, that just showing up differently is activism. Yes. Showing up differently, like literally in a class where you don't do the thing the way the teacher said. And when they call you out, you continue to do it the way that feels right for your body is activism. You mm -hmm. are challenging that teacher. You are yes. demonstrating to every single person in that class that this is allowed, that mm -hmm. like it's an it's an a thing that exists even yeah like we've been saying it is a demonstration of autonomy and agency that gives people permission challenges yes. biases I mean it's good for the world so sometimes yeah. it can be useful to connect to it from that lens even if you yes. can't yet for yourself I love that that is and it we are powerful examples when we do break the rules yeah you know? And, and sometimes teachers don't like it. Their ego is sure. in the way, you know, and, but it's like, you can't worry about them. Right. You know, you, know you, you can't worry about how other people take it. You know, if you're doing things that are best for your body, then sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I know you've been doing um, free trainings on YouTube. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what, what they are and who they're for. Yes. So I started doing, um, I started putting out my program for yoga teachers on to YouTube. I've just started. So I've got a couple classes out so far and I teach basically how to teach size inclusively. Um, Amazing. and I th thank you. It's only been a couple so far and, um, but I plan on getting a lot more. And then my Instagram has a lot, like every, everything I do right now is free. Cause I have to, but <laughs> yeah, but I like it. Cause it does, it gives me a lot of freedom and it it's accessible, which yeah. is, is nice. So, I mean, it really is geared toward yoga teachers. Um, but I probably will be putting some things out for yoga students as well. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that'll be coming at some point. I'm just not sure when. Yeah. And I would say likewise, a lot of your Instagram is geared towards teachers, mm -hmm. but I would say that anybody who works with anyone in terms of like a bodily physical capacity ha yeah. has so much they can take away from that. And just a person who is feeling self-conscious, yeah. uh, maybe in a bigger body and not sure where they fit or if they fit, it's super yeah. empowering and it it normalizes a lot. Like literally lift your belly up and move it to the side, yeah. like wear a strap around your boobs if they're choking you out. Like <laughs> it is such great advice, such great content. Um, I hope everybody goes and follows you. Thank Will you. you tell them your, like how to find you on YouTube, Instagram, anywhere else? Yes. My Instagram is chubby Lotus yoga and my YouTube, I just changed it oh, out of uh, chubby Lotus yoga. I think I have it called it size inclusive, but if you want to go into my Instagram, chubby Lotus yoga, I have a link directly to my YouTube and perfect. Yeah. I, I was awesome. trying to get more people because chubby Lotus yoga, like nobody's yeah. looking, at, you know, it's gotcha. <laughs> a good name though. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Anything else for today? Anything I didn't ask or that you want to say? No, <laughs> you asked great. Questions. Oh my gosh. This was the best. You are brilliant. I am so thank happy you. I had you on here. Um, thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. I hope that everyone listening goes and follows you and learns from you. Um, and you. to my listeners, thank you so much for being here and I will catch you next week. Thank you, Christy, for being here, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I'm Jesse Neeland, and I want to take a moment to thank you for listening to this episode of the This Is Not About Your Body podcast. I put out new episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss it, and if you really enjoyed it, please go ahead and leave me a review. 
Um, also, if you're looking for more information about body neutrality or you want to work with me, you can find me at my website, jessienealing.com. Or you can just purchase my book, Body Neutral, A Revolutionary Guide to Overcoming Body Image Issues, wherever you buy books, ebooks, or audiobooks. We can also connect on Instagram or TikTok. My handle is Jesse Neeland. And because I make this uh, podcast available for free and without any sponsors or ads, you can also feel free to show your support using the Patreon link in the show notes and know that your support, if you decide to uh, participate, is always very much appreciated. Lastly, thank you to my brother, Jason Neeland, for creating the music that plays at the beginning of the show. And thank you for listening, learning, and moving toward personal and collective body liberation. <laughs> <laughs>